Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I love that orchestra. How amazing to think that they could make instruments out of trash like that. It's about almost 16 years ago now that I remember wrestling with what I was going to do with nappies. Jacob is almost 16 and at that time there was a, there's two, two ideas of how you can go with nappies. You can do the cloth nappy or you can do the disposable nappy. Now, I don't know today whether people still wrestle with that as an option or you just go with the disposable because it's easier. But back in those days, many years ago, I remember wrestling with what was the right thing to do. I had a sister who was a bit of a greenie, so she was pushing for the cloth thing because that's the better way you look after the environment. And after all, it takes about 200 years for a disposable nappy to decompose and do I really want to destroy the earth for my children and my children's children? Is that the right thing to do? And do you really want to put, you know, those chemicals and things on your beautiful new baby soft bottom? And it was that wrestle, what do you do? Well, I decided to look after the world and look after the earth and I started off with cloth nappies for my first baby. And, you know, it was a bit of work because you had to wash them and you had to soak them and you had to do all these different things and every now and again they were a disaster and they'd leak and you'd have a terrible, terrible mess. But I stuck with it because I thought it was the right thing to do. It was, it was a great decision. It was a good decision. And then along came baby number two of which I still had two babies in nappies, so everything doubled and the amount of work was twice as hard. And I remember going, I might just buy a packet of disposable just for, you know, those weeks that are a bit tough or it's a bit too hard or an outing where I just want to make sure it's that much safer and there's no problems and extra pairs of clothes and all that sort of stuff. So I started just every now and again using disposable nappies and I discovered that they were really good. They never leaked. You never had bits oozing out of their legs and things like that. They were perfectly safe. And you know what? If you timed it right, you could probably maybe change three or four times a day rather than maybe eight, nine, ten times a day. It was just so much quicker, so much easier, so much more dependable. And then long came baby number three. And by that stage, I think the cloth nappies were cut up and in the rag bag and used for other things and disposable nappies were so much easier, so much quicker and saved so much time. Did my conviction about saving the environment and looking after our earth change? Nope. I really thought cloth nappies was probably the best way to do it. But you know what? Disposable nappies were just so much quicker and easier. We live in a world where quick and easy is good and there are so many ways to make our life simpler and easier. But sometimes I have to wonder, should we take the quick, easy option in everything? Are there times when maybe we have to make the tougher choices, like the mother in that video clip, who wanted her child to actually survive in the world being blind. That was a story about Ray Charles. And she actually has to make the tough decision to allow him to survive and, and to exist well with his blindness rather than being picked up all the time and helped. Sometimes do we need to consider 
taking the harder option rather than what's quick and easy. Well, today I want to talk to you about Gideon. Now, I don't know if you know that much about Gideon. I told my principal at my school the other day, he said, what are you doing on the weekend? I said, oh, I'm preaching at church, so I've got a bit of study to do. I'm talking about Gideon. And he goes, ah, not my favourite Bible character, he says to me, which really means I have no idea who he is. And I said, well, he's not that well known, but let me tell you a little bit about Gideon. Gideon was a judge. And basically, it was in the time of Israel's history, it appears in, he appears in the book of Judges, which is in the Old Testament, which is all before Jesus turns up on the earth. And God decided to send judges to try and help out the people of Israel because people, the people of Israel were known as men or people who did everything that was right in their own eyes. They'd sort of forgotten about God and ignored God and just made up their own decision, did what they thought was right and what was okay. And God decides that he will send a judge or a leader to help these people in the state they're in. But we see in the book of Judges that there's a bit of a cycle happening. And what happens is the people of Israel disobey, do their own thing. God allows their enemies to have an influence on their lives. Life, their life becomes pretty hard. Then they cry out to God, help us, we're in a messy state, please rescue us, we don't like this. God rescues them by sending a judge, a leader, to help them out. And while the judge is alive, they tend to get their act together again and they start following God, following his laws, and life starts to get good for them again until the judge dies and they go back into this cycle of disobedience, hard. God help us. Somebody comes and helps them. And this is how the Israelites were living. So God turns up to this character, Gideon, who is sifting his his grain or grinding his grain and God turns up and says to Gideon, he says, I am with you, O valiant warrior. And this is how Gideon responds. Now, as I look at the character of Gideon, I start to go, why on earth did God pick Gideon to help his people? Because here is a man that doubts himself and doubts God. Not the sort of leader you would pick. Like, really, look what he says. So God turns up and says, hey, I'm with you. You're going to do some amazing things. And Gideon replies, he says, if the Lord, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? So here here comes God talks to Gideon and he goes, you're trying to tell me that you're with us? You've got to be kidding. Look what's happening to us. Look what's happening around us. Have you ever said that? Have you ever wondered if God is still with you? Have you ever looked at your circumstances and gone, God, do you really care? Are you really here? Look what's happening. I know I have. You know, sometimes I fall into that trap of thinking that God's a bit like my good luck charm. If I stick with God, everything will be okay. A bit like my genie that'll fix things and make things right. Maybe a bit like an insurance policy. If I trust God, life will work out for me. Everything will be just fine. You know what? That's not how God works. And any of us who have journeyed with God will know that bad things can still happen to us when we follow him. We're not protected from this broken world where bad things happen to 
good people, bad people, followers of Jesus, non-followers of Jesus. We can't just look at our circumstances because God can still be there even though our circumstances aren't looking great. And then Gideon says, but but what about the miracles? We heard about amazing things that you did, like you parted the water and everybody walked through on dry land. Haven't seen many miracles lately. Have you ever asked God that? Have you ever gone, hey God, I read about these amazing miracles in the Bible, but gosh, when's the last time you did something spectacular? Have you ever thought that? I know I have. So here we have Gideon as the new judge, the leader that's going to help the Israelites going, oh God, are you, where are you? And this is how God answers. Then the Lord God turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. They were their enemies. I am sending you. Go with the strength you have. I am sending you. God wanted Gideon to know that he was behind him. He was sending him and that was enough strength just to know that God was there. So Gideon goes, where are you God? I can't see you. It doesn't look like you're around about. And then not only does he doubt God, but he then starts to doubt himself. He says, I'm not good enough. Gideon says, but but God, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. So here's Gideon going, that is me, I'm no good. There's better people, look at someone else who's more skillful, a better warrior, a better person. Why me? I'm the weakest, I'm the least. He starts looking at himself. I'm not good enough. You know what, that didn't bother God. How often do we look at ourselves and go, no, God couldn't use me. I'm not the right sort of material but... Someone else, I see God using other people, but not me, not little old me. I mean, I could never do that. But God says to Gideon, I will be with you. I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God says to Gideon, it doesn't matter about you, I am with you. Then after that bit of encouragement, you think Gideon would be okay because God's told him that he'll be with him and that he'll be there for him. And then Gideon again says, I'm not sure, are you, are you really there? Gideon replies, if, he doubts, if God you are truly going to help me, show me a sign and prove to me that you are really speaking to me. That is bizarre. Here is God who's turned up to Gideon and says, this is what I want to do to you. And Gideon goes, If you're really going to help us, can you give me a sign? I mean, Gideon, God is standing in front of you and talking to you and you want another sign? I mean, if God turned up to me and spoke to me face to face, I reckon that would be enough of a sign, don't you think? But here's Gideon still doubting and going, I want a sign. And we have endless accounts of Gideon putting out this fleece and this this sheepskin and saying, God, show me a sign. And God very faithfully gives Gideon sign after sign after sign to prove that he is really there. I can give Gideon a hard time, but to be honest, sometimes I'm a bit like that. Sometimes I think, God, you couldn't use me. There's way other people. Pick somebody else. 
There's times when I doubt God and I go, no, no, that's, God's not going to do that. And then I even doubt, did I really hear God? Was that God really speaking to me? Did God want me to do that or was that just my own idea? So I want to unpack for you this morning is how do we deal with our doubts and insecurities? Maybe you've journeyed with God for a long time and you don't doubt God as, as much. You're pretty sure he's there. Maybe you haven't even started that journey with God. You're still going, I don't know about this God stuff. I don't know if I could trust him with my life. I don't know if I could even step out and do something God wants me to do. But I want to talk this morning about how do we deal with those doubts and those insecurities that we do have. And firstly, the first thing we need to do is we need to remember that it's all about God. It's not about us at all. It's not about me. It's about God. And God so wanted to convince Gideon that it was his work and not Gideon's that he cuts down Gideon's army. So they're about to go into battle against the Midianites and Gideon has 32,000 men. And God says, I don't want everybody looking on saying how amazing your army was. I want people looking on to say, that must have been God. So what what Gideon's told to do is to gather his 32,000 men and Gideon says, okay, army, anyone who's scared, put your hand up. Of you 32,000, how many of you are scared about going into battle? 22,000 put their hand up. At least they were honest. And Gideon says, okay, go home. I don't need you. So he suddenly cut his army down from 32,000 to 10,000. God says to Gideon, still too many, too many people. I want you to take them down to the stream and I want you to get them to drink water. And depending on how they drink the water, they're going to stay with you or they're going to go home. So the test was whether they picked up the water in their hands and they drank it like this or whether they kneeled down and just lapped it from the water. God ended up cutting Gideon's army down to 300 men. So from 32,000, Gideon's left with 300 men to defeat the army of Midian. Now, this is what they talk about, the armies of Midian. It says, The armies of Midian, Amalek and the people of the east, had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. That's how many there were. They looked like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. So here we have the Midianites that were too many to count and God has suddenly cut down Gideon's army to 300 people. Okay, you'd be sort of going, okay God, you better turn up because this is a bit scary. So God is really saying to Gideon, Gideon, you, your 300 men, and I are going to defeat an army that is way too many to count. And that's exactly what they do. Because you know what? It's not about Gideon. It's not about us. It's about God saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work through you. I'm going to do things in your life that is beyond you so that people looking on can go, hey, that's an amazing God in that person. And I loved Rob's story this morning where he goes, I wanted to back over that guy. But look what God could do in his life when he was willing to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to act? How could I be different? So when we're doubting God and doubting ourselves, we need to remember it's all about God. 
We also need to remember that God is dependable. God is dependable. I'm very fortunate to have lived life with God now for over 40 years. So I feel like I've got lots of experience of God being dependable. It doesn't mean there's not times that I doubt or I still wonder or I still question, but I can go back over my life and and think of when I was five and I suddenly realised that Jesus had done something for me that nobody else would do. And I can remember when I was healed at age 11 of celiac and went, wow, God, I've been praying about this for years. Thank goodness at long last I can eat cakes. Yay, I'm still celebrating. God, I learned God was my healer. And then when things started going bad and Dad was lousy, I started realising that I had an amazing heavenly father that was way beyond any earthly father and God was dependable. And then through my high school years with other bits and pieces and ups and downs and things that happened, God was faithful. He was reliable. And then I think further on in life and then I had another healing where I had a hole in my heart and they wanted to do open heart surgery and I said, okay, God, heal it like he healed me from celiac. Well, God did different things and it was 10 years later until medical technology closed the hole in my heart. Not the way I wanted it to be done, but God still healed me. And I started to learn that sometimes God's ways are different to mine, but he's still dependable. And then God answered prayers like desires of my heart, would I ever find a good bloke to marry? And look what I got, he's not even here to hear it. But, you know, God was faithful. God was faithful and provided me with that. And then God, we wanted to study and God let us overseas and we were all booked into this this university in the States that we were going to go to Bible school and study theology and three months before we left, the college closes down and we go, God, what are we doing? We're we're travelling halfway around the world following you and you close that one. So we go to our second option and find out it's the most amazing place where we can learn about God and be prepared for whatever is ahead. And I've got stories after stories after stories of God being dependable and reliable. And you know what? I can look back on that and go, God is dependable. So can I trust him again in this new thing, in what's ahead of me? Of course I can. God is dependable. Maybe you don't have an album of experiences of God like I have. But maybe you've sat here over the last few Sundays and you've heard people tell their stories like Rob and you've gone, God was dependable for Rob. And then I heard Wes's story a few weeks back and God was dependable for him when he struggled with cancer. And then I saw, I heard someone else's story. I heard John sit up here the week before he died saying that God was dependable. Hey, wow, was that not amazing? We can take other people's stories and glimpses of other people's lives and take them on because it's the same God. It's the same God. So it doesn't have to be just my experience. It can be everybody else's experiences. And if you're struggling at work, go find someone else in this community and say, how did God help you in a situation like this? What could I do? Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Let's gather all our amazing experiences of God being dependable and step out in confidence that God too will be dependable again for me today. So after remembering that it's all about God, not about me, 
remembering that God is dependable, we also need to remember that God is with us. Oh, actually, go back. I forgot something. Remember God is dependable. I have to put in a good word for Gideon because he did sort himself out. So after Gideon has defeated the Midianites, the people come and say, hey, Gideon, Gideon, be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson, you'll be our rulers for you've rescued us from Midian. So they suddenly go, okay, Gideon, you can do it. You're the right man to lead us. Gideon replies, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. Gideon knows at long last that it wasn't in his strength, but it was in God's strength. Don't put me up as leader. Don't put my, my, my child, my son and my grandson as leaders for the next generation. Put God as your leader, as your ruler. Gideon has seen that God is faithful, God is dependable and points the people back to God. And we also need to remember, apart from God being dependable, that God is with us. Gideon, when he was doubting, God said to him, go in the strength you have. Take whatever you have, your insecurities, your weaknesses, whatever you have, take that because I'm sending you. And I'm sending you is your greatest confidence and your greatest strength. I also love Psalm 23, which is an amazing, amazing verse um, about the Lord being my shepherd. And just part of it says here, even when I walk through the darkest valley. You know what? Every one of us are going to walk through dark valleys. Guaranteed. Do we like them? No way. I wish there was no dark valleys and life was smooth sailing. But you know what? That's heaven. That's coming. But we are all going to walk through dark valleys somewhere in our life. But even though we walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you, God, are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Even though we walk through those dark valleys, we have the confidence that God is with us. So we can overcome our doubts and securities because we know it's more about God than about us. We know that God is dependable and we know that God is with us. But when I think about what sort of excuses do I throw out to God when he asks me to do something or if he challenges me to do something or be something, you know what my biggest excuse is? Don't have time. I don't know about you, but this, this world is fast-paced and I feel like I'm always lacking in time. I don't have time. A few weeks ago, I spoke at another church about chaplaincy because we wanted to get some people to come and help us in our school. And I had three people that came and saw me afterwards and gave me their phone numbers and said, call me, I'd like to come and help with mentoring kids in your school. Well, one of the guys I called back and said, I'll call him Fred. I said, hi Fred, it's Ron here. Um, I'd actually met him before, years ago. He built an extension in a house that we were living in. We didn't own it and got to know this guy. And he was really funny and easygoing, an older guy. And I'd reconnected with him and he said, I'd love to come and mentor a kid in your school. But by the time I called him a couple of weeks later, he said to me, you know, Bron, I'm really sorry, but I've been a bit unwell. I have retired from building, so I should have all the time in the world. But I've been a bit unwell and to be honest, I'm, I'm helping a church out with an extension and 
I'm helping another school as well and I actually don't think I can help you. And I said, oh, that's, that's okay. I felt really disappointed because he was going to be the perfect match for this kid I had in mind but just needed someone to give him some extra time. So I said to Fred, I said, look, thanks anyway. I'll keep your number. Can I hassle you next year? Maybe there'll be some space and you could help out. And he goes, that's fine. And I said, well, could you please pray for this kid? I'll call him Joe. Can you pray for him? Because he just really needs, he needs some help. So off Fred went and prayed for Joe. Well, lo and behold, last week at school, I get a call from the office. Do you know somebody by the name of Fred? I go, yeah, yeah. She goes, he's come to see you. And he was Fred who'd come back to school. He said, Bron, I feel I need to actually be available to mentor that kid that you were telling me about. I said, but how come? You told me you were busy and you couldn't fit in. And he goes, yeah, you know what? I was, but I've been praying for that boy. I've been praying for that boy and I really feel that God wants me to come and help out. He said, Ron, I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, you know what? I missed out on making a difference in a kid's life. He said, I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, I just told God I was too busy. You know what? He said, every morning I get out of bed, I put my feet, I swivel out of bed, I put my feet on the floor and I go, okay God, what do you want me to do today? And he said, I've been saying that. And that boy keeps coming back to my head. He keeps coming back. And I'm back here today because I feel I need to go, you know what, I haven't got time. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm going to believe that God's going to give me time and space to make a difference in that boy's life. When Fred came and spoke to me, it, it hit me. And I went, oh my goodness, how many things have I just said, no, I'm too busy? Because I am. I am too busy. But how many things that I've said I'm too busy or I can't do it, should I perhaps have stopped and asked God, is this something you're asking me to do? Is this something I should really do even though I am too busy? And I just can't help but to wonder as I challenge myself as a community, there's there's amazing things happening around here and people doing incredible things and God using people to do incredible things, but I can't help but to wonder, do we sometimes take the quick and easy option compared to the putting our feet on the ground and saying, God, what do you want for me to do today? Do we go on too busy, because we are, or do we put our feet on the ground and say, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to trust in your strength that you might do something through me that seems impossible, that seems beyond me. And I want to challenge us all today because none of us want to get to the point where we go, did I miss something God wanted me to do? Did I just take the quick and easy option? Or was I able to bring it to God and say, okay God, what do you want of me today? Because I believe we could transform our community, our workplace, our schools, our neighbourhood, our homes, our country, if we chose to follow God and put our feet on the ground every morning and go, what do you want me to do today? What do you want to do through me today? It could be amazing and it could be incredible. 
Because God says to each one of us, go with the strength you have. Go with the inadequacies you have. Go with whatever. It doesn't really matter about what you have. But I'm sending you into the world to make a difference. So in our fast-paced, disposable world, let's not give up on the things that are important because we want to take the quick and easy option. But let's stand before God daily and say, God, what do you want to do in me and through me? Thank you.